Welcome, everyone, to Music Junkies, a podcast about people sharing extraordinary stories about how music has impacted their lives. Welcome, everyone, to Music Junkies. I'm your host, Annette Smith, and today's guest is a stand-up comedian originally from Newfoundland, now living in Alberta. She's performed in every province and territory in Canada. She's hilarious. She's beautiful, and you can barely tell she has an accent. Please welcome Lisa Barker. Baker. Baker, sorry. That's okay. Please welcome Lisa Baker. (laughs) How you doing? I am doing so well. It's hot in the province of Alberta, and I love it. I love the heat. Um, my husband's going crazy on the air conditioning, which is fucking drives me insane, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm accepting it for what it is. I'm sitting in front of an air conditioner right now. <laughs> I just find I get so cold with this stupid air conditioner. It drives me absolutely. I'm always like, is the air conditioner on? He's like, yeah, how can you tell? Like, it's like 23 in the house. We need the air conditioner. I'm like, I'm freezing. I'm freezing all the time. It drives me absolutely up the wall. I don't know what happened. Like in my forties now, it's like one minute I'm like, oh, it's so hot. And then the next minute I'm like, it's really chilly in here. It's like my body can't regulate anymore. I know. So before we jump into your playlist, I always like to ask Lisa, what was your experience putting your playlist together for me today? Well, it was like all of the songs. It, I just kind of thought about like when I'm driving, cause I drive a lot, right. Yeah. Um, with, you know, being a touring comic. So uh drive quite a bit. And I just started thinking about um, what songs uh, are on my playlist and what songs I look forward to hearing on my playlist when I know what's coming next or the one I start with when I get in the car um, and what has to be on every single, cause I'll have like eight playlists, but there's songs that are on like five of them. <laughs> and, uh, I'll be like, this play, this playlist is good, but you know what? It'd really be great if we added things again. Um, so I just start and, and all the songs that sort of, um, sort of give me a strong feeling when I listen to them, yeah. whether it's happy, sad, whatever. Yeah. I love it. I'm a huge, uh, playlist listener when I'm driving too. And I do the same same thing. It's like, I have like 20 playlists and then it's like, fuck, like I'm like a lot of the same songs on the same playlist. I need to like, just let go. Just it's okay. in it just let go. So now I have a playlist that I've started when I started the podcast of all the songs that I've loved from the people that I've had on the show that I've never heard before. So now that's kind of like my go-to because it brings back the memory of just like the story that they had for that or, and usually I love the song. So it's, it's cool. Oh, that works out. (laughs) Right. All right. Are you ready for your first song, Lisa? Yep. Go ahead. Sunny's dream. Sonny's Dream by Ron Hines, the late, great Ron Hines, Newfoundland-born uh, musician, musician, arguably uh, one of the greatest songwriters of our time. That is arguably one of the greatest songs ever written. Uh, he wrote it while driving through the prairies. And uh, when I was a little girl, um, I've been singing that song since I could talk. So when I was like, my parents would always tell me as I was growing up, whenever that song would come on, they talk about when I was little and I would sing all sorts of songs. But it's um, it's just uh, as a, it's funny because with Ron Hines, um, to me, Ron Hines is very similar to like um, um, 
uh, Neil Young, um, where it's like not not a great vocalist, yeah, um, but an, a brilliant songwriter. And uh, so the rest around Hans, you know, discography. What you know what I'm trying to say? I do. Uh, <laughs> discography. Uh, is that how you say that word? I feel like it is. Uh, but his uh, his catalog, if you will, I couldn't give a shit for it. But that song. Honest, I will like, I will like just everybody shut up and listen to this song. And uh, since leaving Newfoundland, like growing up, it was always this song you would sing, like, you know, you'd be drinking or whatever, but he's kind of hanging out. Um, but then when I left the island, now when I hear it, it's very nostalgic, um, makes me homesick. Yeah. Um, I, I can't listen to it at all around Christmas time. I will literally drive down the road and just sob. Um, but it's, it's definitely a song that gives me, um, it's comforting and it, Every time I hear it, instantly there's like a very strong feeling just of that nostalgia and, and sense of home. Yeah. So what was what was the music that you grew up with from your parents? Well, growing up, like uh, I remember in the morning, my uh, of course, you know, Newfoundland weather is very unpredictable, right? So especially in winter, you, you have to listen to the radio in the morning to find out if school's going ahead or whatever. There's always snow. Um, but my mom would always have a VOCM on, which was an AM station. Um, but so there would be like some, um, it wouldn't really be anything modern. So, but it would be like from the sixties and seventies. Yeah. And I grew up listening to a lot of that stuff. Um, I remember loving, uh, Kenny, um, Kenny Rogers and Dolly yeah. and, and Crystal Gale, uh, you know, just growing up knowing all those songs, um, juice, was it juice Newton, uh, living it is, in, yeah. like all, all of those artists Angels like, in the morning. Yeah. And I would like, my parents had an eight, eight track, um, in their bedroom and my brother and I would win and they only had a few and we would listen to those over and over and over again. <laughs> um, and that's sort of, so that's sort of kind of what I grew up with was like, what would be now considered like very classic um, rock, soft rock country um, and, and disco too. And like the funk, cause that was, they had one of those eight tracks. <laughs> so <laughs> we listened to that. And um, so it was kind of like very, my parents, I don't remember my parents being heavily in, we weren't a musically inclined family. I don't remember my parents being heavily into music, but I do know that growing up um, in Newfoundland, you're surrounded by music. So um, it was kind of diverse because it was whatever was on the radio. Yeah. Which was really cool. Right. So it ended up um, like my playlist is insane when you listen to it. It's like, how did you go from Metallica to <laughs> Blueberry yeah. Hill? Right. Yeah, like, like, how, like how, how do you do that? And it's like, oh, it's just, you know, but ADHD helps. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm on the same way. Did you grow up where you're. And so when I grew up, my parents listened to music all the time, you know, rolling, rolling up the car window and just like smoking and listening yeah. to like eight tracks in the car and you're like dying in the backseat. You're like, what's happening? This is no so seatbelt on either. Sliding around. Yeah. You're yeah. crawling all over each other. I'm wondering why, like I could always fit like 18 people in my Honda Civic. I learned it when I was a child. We did not believe in fucking yeah. seatbelts at all. We were Tetris but... and people before Tetris was a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So true. I love it. All right. Next song. Oh, come on in my darling. There's no time to waste. I've been dreaming about you the whole live long day. Up all night. 
up all night, Darina Harvey Bain. So Darina is actually a friend of mine, her and her husband, Steve. Uh, she is originally from Labrador City, Wabush, uh, back home and currently lives in Edmonton. Um, actually had them at my wedding, form at my wedding. They've toured Canada and the United States. The thing I love about Darina is that she take because uh, I described her sound to people who've never heard them before, is they're Celtic rock. So they're not they're not as soft as, say, uh, you know, Irish Ascendants, Great Big Sea, but they're not quite as hard as Dropkick Murphys. Um, it's a beautiful balance. Um, she has an incredible voice. It, there's moments, she sang Joey uh, by Concrete Blonde at my wedding oh, wow. and she threw her head back. Uh, like, it just goosebumps. Like, it's incredible. Um, that song in particular uh, is an original song that they've written. Um, and I love that song because for me, it's almost the, um, it's almost just uh, the embodiment of, of Newfoundland. Like it's, it's especially that now that a lot of us have left. And so when you listen to the song, you know, come on in my darling, there's no time to waste. I've dreamed about you, um, you know, and you know, we're going to be up all night. Um, and it, it's, it's talking about going into the pub, the places on wheels. Like it's, it's like that whole like going back home and kind of meeting up with everybody again and enjoying everything and having a good time. Um, you know, it looks like we're going to be up all night and it's definitely um, reminds me of all of the wonderful times I had when I go home and I'm not actually working and I get to go hang out with friends and, you know, let her hair down and go crazy. Um, so that's why I love that song. It's just like, um, it's almost like it takes that, um, because we, we we miss the island so much. And so I think it takes that sort of um, sadness and, and homesickness and spins it into, you know, how much better it is when you go back to visit yeah, um, and get to be around the people that you love, right? Yeah. So how many times have you made somebody kiss the cod? Oh, I've never, I've never done that. I've never done, I made my husband uh, do it, but I didn't perform it. We took, I took him to a bar uh, back home. But I've seen a lot of people kiss the cod. So what's the theory behind it? It's a, it's well, it, the, the, it's a honorary, uh, it's become an honorary Newfoundlander. So screeching ceremony, you know, yeah. like Calgary has the white hat, Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Newfoundland has a screeching. And so screech was named, it's a Jamaican rum, uh, cause a lot of people don't realize that Newfoundland and Jamaica have a lot of strong ties and, um, it's a Jamaican rum and it was named screech, uh, because, uh, that was the sound the Americans made when they drank it. <laughs> and so uh, they named it Screech, but it's basically you come in. There's a, um, uh, it's a fun, really cool uh, ceremony. It's very, very silly and, and hilarious. And then uh, you, you know you drink the shot, you'll eat some bologna, and you kiss the codfish. And there's a saying and whatnot. But tourists absolutely love it. I bet. Yeah, I remember my grandparents owned a fishing resort my whole life. And we had a guy that ran like the herring, the bait and did our smoked salmon. And he was from Newfoundland and we always brought him back screech. Like when we yep. go to town and, and we all did kiss the cod. Right. Cause we're catching cod right off the dock. So we're like, let's do kiss, you know, let's yeah. do kiss yeah. the cod. So I know that just him experiencing that with us, like he was, you know, at this time he was probably like 66 years old. So he was just like in his glory that yeah. we were like so excited to do this. And yeah, I think it's awesome. I love having like little rituals like that where, you know, you're exposing that to people and they're excited about it. And then, you know, obviously your island becomes known for that and they get excited about that. And then everybody can embrace it. It's something fun to connect with. It is. Yeah. And it, it, and it is a fun little, uh, fun little ceremony when you actually see it in action. 
Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what kind of girl you were growing up in high school. Were you introverted, extroverted? Oh, totally extra, total extrovert. Um, always, uh, always needing to like, like to the party, entertain people. Like that was always my thing. So it's not a, it's not a stretch that I became a comedian. It is, um, kind of uh, incredible given that I, you know, I started in Newfoundland because it is much more challenging to start a career out there, especially at that time. Um, but uh, as a, as a teenager, yeah, I think I, you could see that it was definitely happening. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I had good grades, but I wasn't one of the good kids at all. I wasn't a bad kid, but I was definitely a party kid. Yeah. Is there a place in Newfoundland that all the kids used to go just to kind of go out? Like, did you bush drink? Is that where you? Oh, but yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah, we, we do that, but it's um, for us, like there'd always be um, like a lot of times out West, I find people, it's like a farmer's field yeah, or something like that. But for us, it was more like in the woods. Um, sometimes somebody build a little shack in there um, where I'm from specifically. There was like, we called it the mountains, not really a mountain, but it was a big, big hill. Um, and it was just covered in trees and rock. And we climbed that and drink up there because by the time the cops got to us, we knew they were coming. <laughs> so, and there was only so many ways that they knew how to get to us. So, uh, yeah, we uh, we had that. We definitely had that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We did a lot of that in BC too. Like we never, I know here in Alberta, they do do farmers fields, but in, in BC it was the same thing. It was like, let's go the trestle. Let's, you yeah. know, Nanaimo Lakes Road. We go down there, Westwood Lake, yeah. right? It was like the pole line. Like yeah. we had, yeah, there's all these spots. Yeah, yeah. That it literally would take you forever to drive in there. And the cops would be like, why the fuck am I driving 12,000 right? miles to go and bust these kids that they're, they're literally going to drive drunk and then go to the next place? It just makes no no yeah. sense. Well, we know. weren't even old enough to drive. So we were just hiking in there <laughs> half the time. Or somebody's like on the big red, the three wheelers, the old three wheel ATVs. Yeah, something like that. I love it. I love this next song. You're the first person, actually, which is surprising. I've probably did close to 200 podcasts, and this song has never came up, and it's a great song. <laughs> Tennessee whiskey. Like it's Tennessee crazy. Whiskey. Yeah. Chris Stapleton. So, uh, my husband has a very, a very diverse, um, he's very diverse taste in music. Uh, his, his playlist also very eclectic. Um, he introduced me to Chris Stapleton. So I had never really, cause I don't, I remember like being a teenager, I was very much in the country and then I kind of got out of it. Um, I'd hear not, you know, the odd song here and there, if it was super popular, but otherwise it wasn't a genre that I would seek out. And, um, we were at actually my stepson's wedding and this was playing. Um, and my husband just pulled me to the dance floor and now Brett does the whole two-steppy spin you, all that stuff. So he was doing all of that, but he was singing the song to me and I thought this is a really beautiful song. And so it kind of became our thing that, we would always dance this. He would sing it to me. I would ask him to put it on so he could dance uh, with me and sing it to me. And um, it, it became our song. And uh, when we just got married in June and it was actually our wedding song. And uh, then we went on our honeymoon. Uh, we go on our honeymoon anyway, and we're there. And there's a live band at this bar in Veradero. And uh, 
they're talking to us or they're walking around and we tell them we just got married. So then they get up and they're like, we're going to send this next song out to the newlyweds uh, from Canada. So they start playing Tennessee whiskey. So we get up to dance and I said to my husband, I was like, oh, it's so cool that you told the band that, about our wedding song. And he goes, I thought you told them. Wow. And it was just by chance that they played that song for us and it turned out to be our wedding song. And I tell people, I'm like, it's not because he's a raging alcoholic or anything and I saved his life. It's just, <laughs> we just love this. And who, like Chris uh, Stapleton's voice is really like a very, very smooth whiskey. Like it is yeah. just, the, yeah, it is just beautiful. And so um, it absolutely made sense that that would be our wedding song, but it just kind of um, freaked me out when the band randomly played it in uh, in Cuba. And uh, I just think Chris Stapleton, he, he's a, he's brilliant. He has an amazing voice. And that song just, um, it just makes, uh, it just, I know it shouldn't because it's, it, well, I mean, I guess it should, but it just makes me feel like pure love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, I think it's just a beautiful song. How'd you meet your husband? Uh, online, just like, you know, how everybody really? does. Yeah, just online. I very much um, was fed up with it all. And uh Kept kept dating because I thought, well, if I'm a decent person, there's got to be at least one other decent person on there. And yeah. then uh, end up meeting him. And for the first, you know, probably month, I was like, this fucking guy, the lack of red flags are a serious red flag. And uh, turns out he's just a normal dude. And <laughs> and I found him. I found the one other decent person on there. <laughs> How many dick pics did he send you before you went on a date? Here's the funny thing. He's never, ever sent me one. I always ask that question because, like, that's all I hear about dating online. It's like, hi, how are you? Here's my dick. And it's like. Well, I've seen hundreds, but he really? never, never. Yeah. And actually, I have a joke where I'm like, never sent me a dick pic. And I was like, what a gentleman. And I go, because that's the modern day definition of gentleman is a man who doesn't send you an unsolicited picture of his junk. Like. We should do a podcast and you should bring all those pictures and we should just be like, <laughs> we'll, we'll put emojis on like little hats yeah, and stuff. We'll like, and look at this dick. And oh look God, it's dick. so insane. Right. But yeah. And I was like, this is the bar has never been lower. Um, if that's where we're starting the definition of gentleman now. So it's so bizarre. Like it I, is. it's gross. It's gross. It, it is. It is really gross. And I have never got one. I feel like nobody loves me. Like I, I never get them. Not that it's, it's, it's one of those things though. Like, uh, cause I, I've heard women say, they're like, I've never gotten one. I feel like, you know, I'm I'm left out. And it's like, no, if if you got one, it just takes one to ruin it. (laughs) It just takes one where you're like, you know what? It's not worth it. (laughs) Some of them, half of these dudes can't even take a decent selfie. Like, Ooh, (laughs) Who thinks the dick pic's going to be a work of art? You know, it's mm-hmm. not. What do you love most about your husband? Uh, what do I love most about my husband? Probably that he shows up. So no matter what's happening, um, no matter how difficult it is, no matter, you know, some people get uncomfortable in certain situations and uh, they'll kind of try to move away from it or stay away from it, but he runs towards it. So, you know, I remember the first time that I was upset about something and was, you know, just sad and just started like crying and his first instinct, like he's, he's nurturing almost like his first instinct was to come to me right away to hold me to, uh, you know, to try to make me feel better and, um, and to listen to me, you know? And so I really appreciate that about him because it's not something you see in many people, let alone me. Right. So I, I really love that about him. 
That's good. I love that. I love hearing that because there is, you know, my husband is like a true gentleman as well. And I love hearing that there's still guys. It makes me nervous. You know, we've been together for 23 years and I say to him, I'm like, oh my God, like worst case scenario, you die and I become a widow. (laughs) Um, like I'm not even going to be able to find a guy that can hang a fucking picture. Like what, like what I'm going to have to go hire like a handyman, 80 year old to come over to the house to clean the wind. Like, I don't even know what's happening. Like these guys don't even know how to do anything. Well, and the thing was like, yeah. Cause the thing I say to him, I was like, you got to go first. Cause I can't, I can't do this. Like, cause he does so much for my career now. Like, uh, he's so, he loves everything about what I do. And, um, he's so incredibly supportive, but I mean, he handles like my website, my album covers, uh, my merch, he does all of that stuff. And, um, Honestly, like, I, and and all the handy stuff around the house, like, not that, and the thing is that I love is because I was single for a very long time before I met him. So, I, and I'm, I used to be a tradesperson. I'm also capable of doing all the things, cutting yeah. the grass, you know, doing all the stuff. Um, you know, I can, there's a lot of stuff I can do on my own, but it's nice when there's someone there who's like, well, you're working right now. So like, you don't need to, I'll do this thing or I'll yeah. do that thing. So it's nice to have that sort of division of labor. Yeah, I um, agree. We yeah, always do a blue job, doing- pink job. So we, yeah. I'm like, I yeah. know I can cut the grass, but it's a blue job. You go cut well, the grass. I hate, I, there's certain things you don't like. Like I hate, um, there's a lot of things in the house I'll do, but one thing that I absolutely hate is uh, taking the garbage out. Yeah. Like out of the bin. And it's just, um, it wasn't until years ago uh, when uh, I saw something in the garbage that nobody should have to see. And so, um, like even like putting stuff in the dumpsters, like when I lived in an apartment and stuff, I'm like, I can't, I hate this. And so when he came along and he's like, I'll do the garbage. I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> I'll marry of course I'll marry you. Of course I'll marry you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did you say you want to marry me? I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Cause you want to put the garbage out. But yeah. That's, and just little things like that. Just stuff I don't like to do. Yeah, I agree. All right. Next song. Well, one fine day in the month of June She's a downtown girl, she's a get-around girl I figured that it'd write me a silly little tune She's a downtown girl for sure Downtown girl Downtown girl by the Irish Descendants I just love that song because it's so I love the, I love the beat of it um, I love all of that, but I just love it Because it's just, it's just a fun song um, It's just, you know And it, I, a lot of times when I'm doing a show And they, they say, do you want us to play some music Before you get on stage? What song do you want us to bring you up to? And I will always say downtown girl. And then when I get up on stage, I go, I love that song. It's about a whore. Um, <laughs> and and, that, and I just love it. I love it. It's just uh, super cute. Uh, Breaks the ice. Yeah. It's just, and it's, and it's just a, a fun song. Like, because even when I get up, no matter where I am, um, I'll start clapping and the whole audience will start clapping to the song. And it's just a nice thing to kind of build the energy at the beginning yeah. of the show. Um, and, and, I, and I just love listening to it. It's just a fun song. I love it. So take you back to your teenage years. What, what posters were on the wall? Back in uh, the teenage years. Oh God. I honestly, when I was a teenager, I don't even remember putting posters on my wall. Um, Did you have a crush on like, well, team guy? Well, those guys. Yeah. Like I remember like, so like say the very early teen years um, and that like preteen, it was like new kids on the block and, uh, you know, those Tiffany, Debbie Gibson, I'm so old. Um, all I that kind do. of stuff. 
And then, but then when I moved out of the pop stuff as a teenager, I moved into, um, I went from the pop kind of stuff to um, uh, like alternative grunge uh, metal, that kind of thing. And then I started to dive a little more into um, classic rock at that age. So I was really in the heart and uh, a couple of others, um, Queen, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But then who was your... Who was your, your lead singer guy that you were like, oh my God. Axl Rose. Yeah. Hands down, Axl Rose. My teenagers, 100% Axl Rose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely Axl Rose. Yeah, my girlfriend Autumn loved Axl Rose too. And I was more of a Duff girl. I mm. liked Axl, but because everybody liked Axl, I was like, then I was always like, geez, is this guy stuff his pants? Like, Dude, like, know, are you right? folding up your wiener and just like putting it, rolling it up? Like oh, aggressive. God. It's like I'm it's like curious because I want to see what it looks like. <laughs> like that ludicrous line, red carpet ticket, just roll out. <laughs> <laughs> like, so much. About, oh God. Was uh, when you were into grunge, like, what kind of brought you there? Was it like Nirvana? Like, oh, it was definitely, yeah, definitely Nirvana, yeah. yeah. So that was the first uh, introduction, and then it just kind of went from there. Do you remember the first cassette or CD that you bought? The very first CD. With your own was, money. I believe, and this is uh, hilarious, but I do believe the first um, cassette I bought with my own money was actually Alice Cooper. Nice. Yeah, I remember, because it was in the, it was, um, remember, you'd go in and they'd have them, like, in the bin and stuff? Yeah. Um, we just they out there like five bucks. Yeah, and then bucks. and then they'd have like also like the um they'd have them like on a rack or whatever. Yeah. Like, and Alice Cooper and I got the uh, Alice Cooper cassette. Yeah, that's when you were forced to like listen to the whole album. Like it was such a pain in the ass to like fast forward. Well, especially when you first get it, because yeah. it was like, what's a, I'm, I know I love this song, but let's see what else is on here. Yeah, but it was still it was painful. It was painful, but you actually liked the whole album the time that you were oh, done. Oh, yeah, you would. But if the, like you'd sit there because it's like, well, if this next song sucks, <laughs> then I either, I either have to fast forward or whatever. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't like now where you just, you know, yeah. you it's like they have to put out one song. They don't even have to put out like five. No, songs no, anymore. no. And actually, I, I love that because, I mean, I'm back in the day, of course, when I was really young, artists would do that. I remember having like Beastie Boys where like one side was one song, one side was another song. Yeah. I remember having, um, oh, God, what was that girl's name? Uh, Stacey Q. Oh, it, oh, my God. That is Stacey so crazy. And Samantha Fox. Yes. And, like, have the albums and like it'd be one song on either side. I don't even know what those were called. Maybe 45. I don't know. But, I don't know. but they were like the like the, um, you know, just short albums. And I love that now it's so much easier for an artist to release just like the one song um, and have the platform to release a song on a bigger scale, say, before the whole album comes out even. Yeah. Uh, because even as comics, it works for us because we used to be that we would do albums that were like 45 minutes an hour. And now we can do like 20 minute, minute albums because you're just going to yeah. put them, um, you're going to send it to Sirius XM for them to play the joke so you can get the royalties, but then you put it on the streaming platforms and you're not burning through as much uh, material. 
Yeah. So funny that you said Stacy Q because I haven't heard that for so long. And somebody just sent me their playlist and Stacy Q Two of Hearts was on there. I was like, Two of Hearts. Oh my God. And I played it. I was like, Oh my God. I haven't heard this forever. God. I remember she was on, I was a little kid and she was on um, an episode of um, The Facts of Life. And uh, I think it was her and Tootie were like going after, I think it was like doing some kind of audition or something. And, uh, yeah, I like, that was the shit your brain holds on to. I know. It's so crazy. All right. Next song. They don't know I do it for the culture. Goddamn. They say I should watch the shit I post. Oh, goddamn. Say I'm turning big girls into hoes. Oh, goddamn. Rumors. Lizzo. I love this song, uh, because the lyrics are just absolute fire. Um, you know, all the rumors are true and all that stuff. But the, I just, I love, um, I love that um, she's so, she kind of, she writes about whatever's happening uh, in her life, um, which I feel like most artists, like we talk about what we know, right? So it just makes sense that we would, because um, that you would talk about the hate, you guess, because mm-hmm. she, she, you know, she has such a huge platform. And the thing is for, um and people can, you know, try to say this isn't true or whatever, but you just look at the comment section of of a of a male artist of any sort of medium and a female artist of any sort of medium. And of course, Lizzo's got a lot more going against her than, say, a very slim uh, white blonde woman who's yeah. uh, twenty years old, right? And so, uh, and certainly, uh, it's harder than uh, what the men would have it, but. I just love that she was talking, like she talks about, you know, in the song being focused on her art, but then all of these people are saying this stuff. Um, and it's, you know, she, the the lyric of like, you know, spending all your time trying to break a woman down, real shit is going on, take a look around. And it's like, yeah, like, why are you wasting all of this energy on, on someone who's just simply existing? Uh, what is it affecting you? Right, exactly. Like there's actual stuff in the world that needs you to be, uh, upset about needs you to, ra- to rage against and this isn't one of them um you know i know there's she's got there's a lot of you know controversy right now with lizzo and the le- uh, the legal stuff she's got going on but that aside um the song itself the lyrics i just love that she's so unapologetic in existing i love that you said that i'm a huge believer in that too i feel like that's the type of person that i am and i feel like i'm trying to create that culture with my podcast, what I've noticed over what I've kind of seen, um, is that I would love to have somebody like her on my podcast. Cause I believe that she would be an artist that could be very, very transparent. Yeah. And what I find that's really, to be honest, a lot of the times I really go for comedians because I feel like they can be very transparent. Sometimes when I have an artist on here, it's like, Oh, I, I don't want to say that. I don't want to make do you know what I, it's like, listen, if you don't believe in something, just say you don't believe in something who it, it's your prerogative. You're allowed to have an opinion. Yeah. You're allowed to say what you want to go say. I just feel like people are so worried about, you know, what am I going to say? That's why you probably noticed when I sent you, you know, your kind of follow-up letter. I said, this podcast has explicit content. You would be amazed. This is my weeding out process. I'll be honest. You'll be amazed. People will come back and like, what do you mean by sexual content? It's like, 
Well, if you tell me a story, it's about your husband or your boyfriend. I might ask you how long it took you guys to have sex. Right. Yeah. You have a choice, though, to not answer or to answer. That is up to you. I told you in the beginning, you don't yeah. like the question you can pass. Um, I have no idea what your songs are going to bring up. So how am I supposed to know? That's right. We don't know where the conversation is going to take us. And we the thing don't know. this is like, I've, I, I've never, like, there are things in my life that are private, but it's very few things. And it's pretty much the same stuff that the majority of people would keep private. Um, but there's a lot of my life that I'm very public about. And um, I also try to make it so that um, when I, like, when I, I want to create like an inclusive safe space. And that's not to say that, because uh, I, I say whatever I want. And that's my inclusive safe space. It's like, you know what I mean? So yep. if a woman wants, like when I, like if I'll talk about say being slutty, um, you know, I love, I love women owning their sexuality. I love, I love that. I love that we're kind of moving towards that. I love anything that's sex positive. But um, when people come in though, and they start being judgmental or whatever, I'm like, yeah, you can fuck off. We don't, we don't need that energy in here. That's not what, that's not what this is about. So it's more yeah. about like, for me, the the only kind of people I would keep out are people who are, um, you know, uh, judgmental, uh, shitty, um, uh, uptight. Those kinds of people who think like my way of life is the only way of life. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, what your neighbors are doing next door has no effect on you. So just shut up, you know. And so that's always kind of been my thing. But I'm I'm very uh, honest about uh, what I believe or whatever. And and you're right, people um, as a comedian, it's not like people are drawn to that. And that's one thing that people say that they appreciate about me is that I'm honest and um, um, there's no bullshit. And I just don't I don't have time for it anymore. I'm getting older and I'm just like, I don't have time for this shit. And uh, and honest to a point where I will admit, like even my faults, you know, like. I, I do find myself falling into where I'm like, Oh God, I sound like a boomer now. You know what I mean? Like certain things that I'll say and uh, like, Oh, why is the music so loud in here? Like, <laughs> like when did I become that person, you know, yeah. or whatever. So, down, I can't hear what you're saying. I've right? like, never so, said that before. I know. And so now I'm like, I'm even honest about the fact that like, yeah, there's parts of me that are getting shitty, <laughs> you know, and like, I just don't see the point in uh, hiding who we are. It's just strange to me because I feel like we are for trying to live in this world of honesty and respect and we can do whatever we want, but that's like this surface thing that we see, but then you oh, go and try to do that. And it's like, Oh, well, I mean, even just, if you look at, like I said, again, going back to the, um, existing, uh, just even the people that get enraged, enraged over a 10 second video that I make that, when you watch the video, you're like, I don't, so what exactly did they get mad about? Like, it just, you can't wrap your head around it. Yeah. And then when you find out why they're mad, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, and it's because, you know, I'm doing something as a woman that they don't think I should be doing as a woman. Yeah. Well, and it's like, whatever, like I'm, I'm ridiculous. telling jokes or I'm driving a car. Go kiss a cod. God damn it. Right? Yeah. Go kiss a cod. <laughs> All right. Next song. I'm going to fast forward this beginning because it's. Hey, Metallica, they're coming to Edmonton next year. I know. It's exciting. I love Metallica. I 
this song for me. So I was introduced. This is when I started to get into metal. So I was introduced to this song. This is a crazy way to get introduced to metal. Uh, grade nine uh, literature class. I had a teacher who um, introduced us to poetry by way of song lyrics. And this was one of the songs that the teacher. Oh. Yeah. Uh, another one, I think another one was like uh, Megadeth, maybe, or maybe a couple other ones, but like he, he used music and obviously he was, this was what he was into because it was quite heavy on the metal. Um, but I remember, and then he played us, um, we read the lyrics and then he played the video for us. And I remember just being in, totally intrigued and uh, really in Metallica after that. Um, and that song, of course, um, you know, the the whole story and all that stuff is, is amazing. Um, but just the, the the music itself is incredible when you sit and just listen to the whole. It's like it's like a journey, just musically, and it, I just, I love it. I just love that song. Yeah, I love Metallica. I grew up pretty heavy on Metallica. I liked everything. I was one of those people that liked Prince, and then also Metallica. I am a huge hair band eighties girl. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, Molly loved, I loved Vince Neil. Like yeah, you know, yeah. Vince Neil's like eight four more Vince Neils. And he's like a hundred years old. And I know apparently now it's like, he won't sing anymore. Yeah. Now Nikki six looks better. Right. So it's like your taste. Who would have thought, right? Who would have thought, who would have thought again, my girlfriend Autumn loved Nikki six and I liked, yeah. um, you know, Vince Neil, but I absolutely love Metallica, just an incredible band. And we're going to go see them in, in Edmonton. I've seen so many bands and that is somebody that I have not seen, which I don't understand why. I just feel like maybe I wasn't in the realm of where they were traveling to. So I for sure wasn't because like in Newfoundland, we don't get bands. Uh, like that, Right. We'll get bands. We'll get, but you're not, you're never going to see like Lady Gaga or Pink or Metallica or Taylor Swift. You're never going to see those artists in Newfoundland just because of the, the well, first of all, we, the arena that we do have isn't big enough. Um, and then, um, the other side of it is, of course, the expense of getting there. Yeah. And and, the, and it's risky. Like, it's risky every time you go to Newfoundland, you know, are we going to get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> what, do you remember your first concert you ever been to? My very first concert ever was, um, well, I don't, I, we would always, so they would do a lot of these big concerts they would do outside back home. Yeah. So you would uh, you would go outside and uh, like in a big field and they would have it all. You know, you buy your tickets and you go inside, just beer tent, blah, blah, blah. But uh, we would always because we were kids. So we would just go to the, like the other side of the lake, which you could hear everything. You could still see it, all that kind of yeah. stuff. And we would do that. And I remember we saw uh, it was like meatloaf. Brian Adams was the first nice. one. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Adams was the first one. Um, I don't actually remember my first ever like actual bought tickets and went to the concert. Um, but that, I know that was the first one that I ever, I was like 14. We got drunk in the field. Um, <laughs> it was an all day thing. Yeah. We had a good time. And so we were on the Island too. So we didn't get a lot of people. It was like Kim Mitchell, Bryce. Adams, Trooper. Trooper. Well, Trooper goes everywhere. Yeah. And so we would have to take the ferry and go to Vancouver, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, so, so same idea. Like lots, lots. Our, our closest, 
our closest would be Halifax. Yeah. Usually, right. If you got lucky. Now I have seen some great acts in Newfoundland, you know, I've seen kiss in Newfoundland, tragically hit. Um, I've seen, um, Kim Mitchell as well. Dr. Hook, but, uh, also he goes uh, everywhere in his path you know, the entrance, man. Uh, I did, yeah. I did see Brian Adams in concert eventually. Um, but you know, I've seen Hearst, uh, Tom Petty, was one of the great ones that I, I got to see. Yeah, I would have um, loved seeing Tom Petty. Oh, Tom Petty was amazing, and um, yeah. So, you know, we did get some, but we just didn't get the the huge, huge. And a lot of the ones that did come to Newfoundland were artists who came because they had been there previously, perhaps like when they weren't so uh, on their way up, right? Yeah, and they loved it so much. So whenever I talk to comics, and then my friend Erin, uh, who is the musician. She says the same thing about bands. Every one of them will say Newfoundland was their favorite place because in Newfoundland, you really are treated like a rock star. And even for me as a comedian, when I tour the island, because um, Newfoundlanders are very lovely too, in the sense that like Russell Crowe will go there a lot and play at like the open mics and stuff. He's friends with uh, Alan Doyle, but he'll, um, he can walk the streets. Like the Newfoundlanders won't bother you. Yeah. So, even when I go there and I mean, I'm like, I'm well known in Newfoundland, but like I'll go to the smaller communities, even in St. John's in the city, you know, like I'll be eating dinner or something. I go to get up to leave and somebody will approach, want a picture or want to talk to me, but they'll wait till I'm finished eating. Right. Um, people are really, really cool like that. And um, they treat, they treat you well. Like it's, you know, they're, they're bringing you stuff or they're, you know, offering you things or wanting to help or whatever, but also just in awe of, uh, the artists that they're going to see and, and really will treat the rock, the rock stars like they are genuine rock stars. Like they're still impressed. They're not that yeah. city type that's like, oh, well, whatever. We saw so and so last week. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? They're like, yeah. oh my God, it's proper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. They actually, there's a cool story about how Trooper was trying to get to, I think, I want to say it was Fogo, the island uh, in Newfoundland. And I, I can't remember what happened. The ferry was down or something, but people started, I can't remember what island it was, but anyway, fishermen and stuff, they started putting the uh, gear in their boats and bringing it across and bringing Trooper across. And it was like this really cool, like this concert is happening kind of a, <laughs> a thing. And yeah. And so I just think like stuff like that is just very, it's just the epitome of, of, of how Newfoundlanders are with, uh, with like any any celebrities that come through or anyone who's going to entertain them. I love it. It's great. All right, let's free Britney. Hey, I love Britney Spears. For years, Britney was my guilty pleasure. I didn't tell people I listened to her. <laughs> and then I was like, as I got older, I didn't give a shit anymore. I was like, no, nah, man, Britney's the tits. Like, I love Britney Spears. Um, I love all of her music. Uh, that song I like because I just love, I love the, the um, just the rhythm of it, the beat. Uh, I love the lyrics. And uh, it's just one of those songs that make you, when you, when you sing along with in the car, it just makes you feel like a badass. And yeah, I just, I just love her. I think, I think she's great. I know she, you know, she got a lot of shit. And then of course everybody was like, oh no, but they're being mean to her. So we should be nice. And it was just like a weird thing, but I've always loved Britney. I've always uh, respected her. Um, yeah. I mean, even when, 
I remember when she, uh, her and uh, K-Fed, was that his name? Kevin Federer? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So when they split and she basically let him raise the kids. And I remember people getting really shitty about that saying, you know, like, you know, imagine a mother doing blah, blah, blah. And and I, I remember like my friends were moms, you know, like, you know, that's just ridiculous. And I was like, but if he gave her custody, nobody would bat an eye. And she has this huge career and she has this crazy schedule. And I thought it almost is like she's acting in the best interests of her children and not her own selfish needs. Um, So I just felt like, I mean, she financially, she took very good care of her children. Um, So I just always felt like she, she got a real shitty deal, a real raw deal. And uh, no matter what she did, uh, it wasn't right. And so she kind of, uh, I think that probably led a lot to her um, sort of spiral is because it's frustrating when it's like, if I do A, they're going to hate me. If I do B, they're going to hate me. If I do C, they're going to hate me. Yeah. And And I don't think she had a lot of real people, you know, in her circle. I watched that free Britney thing and I forgot that her and Justin Timberlake dated I forgot about that. And then like rewatching that, it actually made me sick to my stomach. I was like, this guy is bragging about potentially taking her virginity. Like what the fuck is going on? Like we're just letting this happen. Well, this, the stuff that we sort of, um, cause even at the times, a lot of stuff may not have sat quite right with us, but we didn't really understand. Like at the no, time, and we, it, I was like, and, I don't really. And we would have been laughed at if we brought it up. Yeah. Until we were like being stupid or, or, or whatever, ridiculous, sensitive, whatever. And yeah, and I, I just thought, I mean, look at Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton. Like we all look at that very differently than it was portrayed back then. Uh, now that would have been handled very differently, but with Brittany, like I do, I feel like uh, a good, good, good majority of everything that went wrong for her was a direct result of the people that were surrounding her. And if you have people that are just like, yes, men, that everything's just yes, yes, yes. When you should really have people around you that actually genuinely care about you and your well-being and your health and your mental health and all that stuff. And sort of um, give her, because I don't feel like she was ever given permission to have a life outside of her career. And that was evident when we saw that she was still being basically forced to do that residency. In yeah. Vegas, it's like, oh, she's so sick, but you're making her do this stuff. And um, she was a cash cow to people. And so mm-hmm. I feel like that that's a lot of it. It was that she never got an opportunity to even discover who she was as a person. Yeah. She has no identity. Like, how yeah. do you have a whole life where you can't even express how you feel to anybody because they will just record it, take that, throw it back in you? blackmail you try to get money out of like it's so crazy to be living in an environment like well that. we and we know what happens with celebrities especially when their children are growing up through this um and we know there's been instances over the years where there's been celebrities who it's like yeah you know you watch documentaries years later and it's like yeah and they were so out of it so we just gave them like two bumps of coke and pushed them out onto the stage <laughs> you know what i mean and I I'm know. Like, are you fucking serious like I don't know why they're a junkie. That's fucking weird. Right? Like, and then like, I was just even recently watching a documentary about Burt Reynolds and they were talking about, you know, Lonnie Anderson saying, you know, he needed this medication because he needed to get a good night's rest. And he needed this medication because he needed to be sharp. And then he needed this medication. And that's the thing, right? Like, it's like, how do we keep 
um, this person like, how do we just keep them working? They're treated like machinery as opposed to a human yeah. being. And I think that's what happened with Britney Spears because even her own family didn't have her best interests I know. Um, in mind. It's heartbreaking, really, you know? And so I really hope that, you know, whatever she's, whatever she's doing now, I mean, I follow her on Instagram. It's a little all over the place, but she needs to have time to find out who she is as a person while also, because Britney's what? She's got to be 40 by now? Got to be. And so also probably facing midlife crisis. So, and also all of the stuff we all go through as women, the hormonal stuff, all of the, so it's like, Jesus Christ, imagine going through the thing that you should go through in your twenties. And all we want is your money, right? When all you want is our life. It's, it's crazy. It's heartbreaking. It, it really is like, and I was, yeah, so. I was watching on um, Paramount. There is documentaries there of, WWF. I still say WWF, mm-hmm. but it's WWE. Yeah. But it's like kind of broken down to each wrestler. And we were watching um, Rowdy Rowdy Piper the other day. And it was like the craziest story. Randy Macho Man St- Savage and him and Elizabeth. Crazy shit. But it was all drugs. It was They were all, all drugs. Cows, all I have to watch that. You have to watch it. It will yeah. blow your freaking mind. Like I, 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 I did more old. Like they did a lot of old school people, but I was like hoping like Brutus like, the Beefcake. I hope they did. Nice. Like they didn't even do Hogan, which when you watch each of the documentaries, he's in there a lot. And there might be a reason why they didn't do Hogan. Cause I think Hogan was, I don't know. He's a bit of a nutcase too. I think. I think he was easily manipulated in a sense that he was the face of the franchise and all these other Arguably people. The biggest star. Yeah. yeah so, arguably for a long time. I've read a lot of the biographies, um, the autobiographies. Um, Mick Foley's books are, are, are incredible. Uh, Chris Jericho is also a great writer. A lot of them use a ghostwriter. Those guys didn't. Um, well, yeah, same kind of thing was like, you know, these guys, because um, Mick Foley will tell you, he go, you know, that it's it's a painful existence. So you're getting surgeries, you're getting this, and then you're expected to be back up in shape and back doing this stuff. And so it's no wonder that they were all just, you know, out of their minds. Yeah, it's crazy. You have to check it out. It's really cool. I definitely will. All right, next song. Let's go, girls. Nia Twain. Man, Nia Twain. Woman. That is the anthem. Uh, you know, man, I feel like a woman. And then, you know, talks about, I want to, and basically all of the things that go against what women are supposed to, um, you know, want to be or want to do. And, uh, is what I love about it. And, and, but also at the same time too, still things that we, we, that we want to do to make us feminine. But it's, I feel like the song is just about, um, being a woman on your own terms. And so, um, I, I love that song. It's also my go-to karaoke jam. And uh, because everyone will get out on the dance floor and everybody will start singing and it gets everybody pumped up. But yeah, it's just one of those songs that as soon as you hear it, it's like, yes, let's go. It's like, we just, let's smash it. Let's burn something down. Like, you know, let's do shows. (laughs) Like, it's just, yeah, it's just the, of all people, Shania Twain creates like one of the best hype songs. Um, And uh, I just love it. I just think it's a great song. I think it's just a great anthem for women. How has your career as a female being a a female comedian (laughs) 
it's funny uh just to give it so one of the comics who's kind of right you know coming up the ranks um and and doing very well and uh you know doing some really great things in the industry and they had put up uh, a post uh she had said uh i just want to get to the point where they can't basically where they stop pushing back on her stop questioning her you know and i and i replied uh because because i'm um, it took me a couple of years to kind of accept this, but I'm in in Canadian comedy. I'm considered very successful, um, and I, so I was like, uh, "I got bad news for you," because uh, it actually seems to have gotten worse um, now that I've climbed the ranks. Uh, you know, my career basically. Uh, I've been doing this for 17 years, but it, you know, two years ago, my career exploded and, um, it, like overnight. And, uh, now I'm at a point where, cause I don't like to, um, I tr- like, if, I, I always had an ego, but then when I, everything got really crazy, I actually became more humble, which was, uh, interesting. Um, cause I think what it was, it was like, when you have a certain amount of people that like, you was like, ah, hey, look at me. But then when you have like a lot more people, then you're like, Oh Jesus, I'm awful. Like, you know what I mean? And so, um, always trying to be a better person, which I I love that that's what it's inspired in me. But, um, but at the same time, I still, I can't be a doormat and I still, I need to assert myself. And that's been, it's at the point now where when something happens, I just kind of go, Oh, I'm so, I'm too fucking exhausted for this shit today. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and so like, I don't want to have to go back to people and go, hi, I get where you're coming from. However, 17 years, uh, about to do my six debaters, two LOLs, just for Laugh North, Laugh Northwest, Winnipeg Comedy Festival, uh, two seasons of a series, second season, I'm, I moved up to main cast and a writer. Uh, funniest person with a day job. I won that, the largest comedy competition in Alberta in 2016. You know, I've toured the entire country. I've opened for, you know, Doug Stand. Like, I shouldn't have to say these things. Do you know what I mean? Like, I shouldn't, because... Yeah. Because the men don't. So I shouldn't have to sit there and try to explain to people, you know, I'll have comics that'll get upset because I don't want to put them on my show, which is anywhere from 30 to $45 a ticket because they just started doing stand up and they can do five minutes. They know they can. They're sure of it. And I'm like, listen, I can't. You're not ready. Work your way up like the rest of us did. Yeah. And they get mad. And then but they they sort of uh, see me on a um uh, like I know where, what level I'm at and I know there's always room to grow and improve and evolve. And that's what I work on, but don't treat me like I'm not at that level. I fucking earn that level. And so that's the thing I find is that, um, I don't get, uh, respect isn't, doesn't come as easily as it does for the men. Yeah. So you kind of have to work for it constantly, even in situations where it should be an automatic giving, uh, yeah. which is frustrating. Yeah. I, I'm in the finance industry. So this podcast is my outlet. Um, and it's the same fucking thing. It's like every time we turn around boys club, boys club, boys club. Exactly. Fuck man. Like, Oh, they're doing that. Okay. Well, we'll just fucking sit over here and you know, Oh, you're going on a, you know, playing golf. Like I don't want to fucking play golf. Well, I had a guy one time, uh, uh, like a booker, and I, he was talking about, I was saying I wanted to do the show. And then he says, well, uh, I don't know. We just had so-and-so and uh, it didn't go well. And I said, uh, oh, I said, uh, did you hear of so-and-so before? And he's like, no. And I said, exactly. 
So I actually have a, a strong social media following. I have proof that I've put asses in seats. I have actual numbers of tickets sold, you know, like, yeah. And so I have to like prove everything. I have to come out and prove everything right away. As soon as I open my mouth, I have to have the numbers, the everything ready. And so, I mean, it's not always like that, but too many times it's like that. Yeah. And it's frustrating. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I remember one time cause I used to work for a finance company and I remember we had this guy, um, one of our customers was being real shitty. And it was a, we were a group of women or my whole team was women, except for our boss who was uh, a gay man. And I remember this guy says, uh, you know what? None of you, none of you women know what you're talking about. I need to speak to a man, put a man on the phone. So I tell my supervisor, he goes, tell him he gets a woman or a homo. It's up to him. <laughs> and I was like, I fucking love you. Like, and yeah. it, it's, and, but that's how it is. Like, you know, there's always this sort of, um, doubt. Everybody just doubts. And you have to prove yourself. Whereas for the men, it's like, we're going to trust you until you fuck us over until you fuck us. You know? Yeah. We realize that we shouldn't have paid to come see you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I agree. All right. Brutal. It's brutal. It is brutal. I love Queen. I do too. And this, that song's just so, so fun. It's so much fun. I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of Queen songs that I really love. Um, and I think Freddie Mercury was easily one of the greatest artists that have ever lived. Um, but there's something about that song that's just, it's just makes you happy. Yeah. When you hear it. And uh, whether you're in love or you're looking for love, or even if you just, you know, are going through shit, it's a great song to listen to. I, I, yeah, I just love that song so much. It's just, and it kind of, it's kind of, um, I love how it's almost like a, even though it's an older song, even at that time, I feel like it still would have felt very retro. Yeah. Um, it's sure. almost like they, they, they decided to add a, like a stronger, heavier rock component to like a 50 swing song. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. hundred yeah, percent. That's so a great I, way to describe it. Yeah. And I just, I just love that. Do you have any pet peeves, Lisa? Things that drive you absolutely up the wall? People who stop in free flow lanes <laughs> drive me fucking crazy and um people who don't put their shopping carts back drive me crazy and um another uh, another pet peeve uh is definitely when people um and I, I feel like everybody probably would consider this one to be a pet peeve but it's when people um try to because I, I i i thought for years that um I like to have control of things because I was a single parent and it was easier if it was, if I knew everything that was going on um, and was in control of all of it. And then when I started managing my own career, instead of my, like when I quit my agency and everything a couple of years ago, I realized, no, I'm just a control freak and um, have a hard time relinquishing control. I don't mind when people ask or offer to help, but it really drives me crazy when people just do it. Cause I have like a system and, uh, cause of the ADHD and stuff. So like there's certain things I do where I have a system. And if you get into there now, you just throw my whole system up. <laughs> and now I, I I'm now I'm going to start panicking. And so that kind of drives me nuts when people think they're being helpful, but they're really like crossing the boundary. Right. <laughs> That's the other thing. Yeah. Cause people get weird when you set a boundary. Yeah, they do. Right. And they're, they're like, like, so, like 
fathom. They're like, I don't understand what, like, what is this? No, like back in the day, we used to have this thing called like conversation and we would have a discussion. We'd have an argument. It could even break out into a fist fight. Now you don't get to just fucking say something to me. And I just sit there like a fucking retard. And I just take what you say. I'm sorry. I didn't grow up in that generation. And I accept it. Yeah, we don't, I'm not like, I, because a lot of women will ask me about um, like how I get to be the way I am where I'm just like, you know, like pushing back on people or being, you know, somebody said, I'm just like, fuck off, you know, like, cause I'm not, cause people go, Oh, that's your answer. That's intelligent. It's like, it's not that I can't formulate an intelligent rebuttal. It's that I'm fucking tired of doing it. Yeah. So fuck off. It's like, I'm at yeah. the point now where I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and waste energy on you. I'm just going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah. And so People say, how do you get to that point? And I said, you get, you get there when you realize, when you, when you get to the point where you just, you've had enough, you start pushing back a little bit here and there. And then you realize, wait a second, the world didn't end. I didn't lose my job. I didn't, this didn't happen. This didn't happen. I thought all these bad things would happen if I asserted myself and stood up for myself. And then you keep doing it. And then it gets more and more and more to the point where you're like, no, this is why I am as a person now. Yeah. And it flows. I feel like your world flows opposed to this whole push and pull. It's like react, 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 react. Well, that's it, right? Like again, with the response of fuck off when people say, well, it's not a very intelligent response or very, or my favorite is when they're like, that's not very professional. I'm like, I tell dick jokes for money. I don't know what level of professionalism you're expecting. (laughs) Um, But the thing is uh, like, yeah, you get to that point. And instead of me wasting time over here and creating more fucking stress and fuck off is a great sentence. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're done here now. Like, and you're shutting of- me off with all your bullshit anyway. So I'm going to shut you down with fuck off right now. We're done. What are you going <laughs> to say to that? Right. We're, we're done now. Um, so I just think, yeah. And, and it's definitely, I'd say a good 85%. Uh, well, no, I'd say a hundred percent of the preventable drama in my life is gone. Anything else that's here is the normal stuff that everybody has to deal with all the time. But yeah, I just don't, I don't play that game anymore. And, uh, you know, I, and I'm, I don't, uh, fuck around with the boundaries either. So like, if I'm telling someone this is the situation and then they're like, well, I want the situation to be this. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm, back over This is the situation. Um, and I've had that happen with, uh, again, bookers or venues where we had an agreement, this is what it was. And then they demanded more, they demanded extra, or, you know, they were shitty to me for whatever reason, because they expected something different or whatever. And then I'd go, don't worry about it. It'll never happen again. And when I say it'll never happen again, that's to shut them down to be like, okay, she's, she's acknowledged. It'll never happen again. It'll never happen again. Cause I will never work with you again. Yeah. So I filled your club. We you sold we sold it out. They're selling booze and food, hand over fist and all that. But that's the last time I'll come in here. I'll find another venue that's not going to do this to me or not treat me badly yeah. or at least respect the terms of the agreement, right? Which is basically what fucking boundaries are. They're just terms and clauses. Yeah. And uh, you know, and it could be it could be uh, you know something real simple, something real big, but people should respect them. And I'm fortunate to be in a position in life where when people don't, I just, I cut them off completely. I, I am that black and white too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because obviously it's like, it's so different. black and white in that it's like, well, it's really not because I feel like we've played this dance for a while and now you want to continue exactly. to play the dance. And I didn't, but it is done. black and white. It is though, because it's like, don't do this thing. Oh, you just did the thing I told you not to do. Yeah. 
See what I mean? Sometimes it's sometimes the things in fucking writing. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, no, you, you don't respect any of this. This is not professional. So we're not going to do this again. Yeah, I agree. I love it. I love that attitude. I so want more people to have this attitude. I feel like we're just, we're hurting kittens, right? Like I went into the store the other day and my previous um, career was a massage therapist years ago, like 17 years ago. Um, so I was like all into like Reiki and energy work and I still am, but I went into a store like that and I was like, oh my, these, they're like beaten kittens. I said to my husband, yeah. I, go, I have to get out of here. And he's like, why? And I go, because the teller, all the workers, they're like beaten kittens. I can't handle it. I, I, there, there's, there's nothing, there's no backbone here. They're like, no, hi, no. I wanted to kill you. Please don't say hi to me like that. It's like, I'm, I'm getting an aneurysm just by you speaking to me. Um, it just, it makes me nauseous because I just want to shake them and be like, what the fuck? that like, just be like, hi, you don't have to sound like a guy, but don't sound like, I think, I think for like people in stores, I think they're just, cause just from what I've seen as a comic, people came out of the pandemic, very different. It's weird. And not, and not good. No, uh, very entitled, very demanding, very rude, very, uh, just ignorant. And yeah. I think like a lot of the retail people and people you see in stores are just like, look, I don't, you could stab me probably. I don't want to say anything. So they're just scared. Yeah. They're so scared now because people are legitimately fucking crazy. They are. And, and I've been really noticing a lot of the entitlement. It's like, oh, that's interesting thing that you want to go and do. And you think that you should do that. And I should help you with that. Like, I don't want to like these little shits. They're so entitled. I don't even yeah. And it's, it's like, and it's blows my mind. Cause it's like every possible demographic. Yeah. It's just shitty right now. I know. Cause people are like, Oh, it's the young people. I go, no, 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 it's not. I've had more issues with fucking middle-aged dudes. Um, and older. Now the Gen X is better, but like the boomer dudes, Holy fuck. Holy fuck. Like it's insane. Right. And so I'm like, no, I get it. Cause I've experienced it. Like I've, I've been at shows where, you know, people get shitty. I've had crazy stuff happen. I've been assaulted twice on stage. Oh my God. Oh yeah. It's since the pandemic. Um, before the pandemic, they just yell shit or, or maybe, maybe throw something at the stage, but now they're getting really out of hand. And, um, I've even had to put into my contracts, uh, for private gigs because even companies are not reeling their people in. So I have to put into the contract, like if somebody's being aggressive or, you know, incredibly disruptive, I've reserved the right to end the show. So even though you've paid me X amount of dollars to perform for an hour, if 20 minutes in Jeff in shipping, receiving is giving me a hard time and really being a dickhead, I'm going to, I'm not going to just walk off stage. But I'm going to go, all right, folks, that's my time. Thank you. Have a good night. And Thanks, that's Jeff. it because Jeff breached the contract. So you couldn't control Jeff. So I had to do what I did on my end, which is stated in the contract. Yeah. And I don't understand it. Like he never used to do it. What is the, like, I just, I don't understand what's happening. It's just so. It's It's just people being, um, they're just thinking that they are that fucking important that everything is about them. Not realizing like, it's like anything else. Like you've been on a plane and you've all paid for a ticket. 
So you don't have any more rights to anything than the person next to you, but people have it in their mind that they do. And it's the same thing at a show. It's like, well, I paid 30 bucks to be here. Well, yes, sir. And so did everybody else in this room. Yeah. And you're ruining the experience for them. Yeah. So you got, you have to leave now, you yeah. know? And so that's kind of the, kind of my, my thing now with, um, with it all. I just, I'm like, no, I'm done. I don't have patience for this. Get the fuck out. Yep. And it's good. So what tours do you have coming up? Uh, right now we have, uh, I have the Maritimes. Um, well, I'm going to Newfoundland for 10 days with my husband. I'm just doing a couple of shows, but we're, it's mostly vacation, but, uh, doing the Maritimes in September, Ontario, uh, Newfoundland, uh, the Arctic again in October. And then, uh, doing, um, in November, uh, we're doing, uh, yeah, November is Newfoundland and, um, Alberta and BC. So yeah, back, back home for December. And then I usually take a little bit of time off most of December and then probably like half of January ish. And then I'm back on the road again. Well, you'll have to keep us posted for a week and come and see your show. I love it. Oh yeah. LisaBakerComedy.com. All of my tour dates are listed under shows and uh, yeah, it's kind of nuts right now. There's like 40 of them or something there, but yeah. What about where can we stalk you on social media? Oh, everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, platform formerly known as Twitter. Um, I don't even know what the hell's going on there. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. uh, but it's at Lisa Baker comedy on every, every platform, Lisa Baker comedy. You'll find me. Sweet. We went from a bird to a fucking X. I'm like, I woke up and I'm like, my app was, I'm like, what's this X? And I went on. <laughs> I, like, oh, I know my app changed. I was like, fucking Elon Musk. What a tool. Like, holy fuck. Great. <laughs> Last song. Oh, Casey wore his brand new hat to Murphy's weight last night. Well, someone stole his hat and buys and started off the fight. What? I had a hat. I had a hat by Shani Ganak. So Shani is a Newfoundland-based uh, um, band, uh, and that gentleman you hear on vocals there is uh, Chris Andrews. And Chris Andrews is an incredible musician, incredible artist, uh, but also a very lovely man. And I got the opportunity to meet him a few years ago. I remember I was fangirling so hard. I was, it was actually, I was doing a show, 900 seat sold out theater show with a buddy of mine and Chris is in the wings and I get to meet him for the first time and I'm doing this big show, but I'm like, Oh my God, Chris Andrews is like right there. Um, but I, I just love his voice. Um, and I love their music and, um, you know, some of it is, is very sweet. Some of it, you know, kind of makes me cry, but, um, that song is just uh, like if if you play it, every Newfoundlander will sing it. Um, my my kids love it, and uh, it's just a fun song, right? You know, he show goes to Murphy's Wake with his new hat. The hat goes missing, and a big old fight breaks out. It's a brawl, and uh, it's just hilarious. But it's such a fun song, and if you ever get the opportunity to see like Doreen Harvey uh, or Shani live. It is quite, or and same with the Descendants, uh, Irish Descendants. It's quite an experience, and it's just this. Uh, even if the, even if it's not your style of music, or it's not something you're familiar with, you can't help but just getting caught up in it all. Like it's just crazy, right? It's like everybody's just smacking, smacking the table, stamping their feet. Um, so it's just one of those great, happy drinking songs. Uh, that's that I guess Newfoundland is known for. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us today on Music Junkies. What a blast. Like, I, I know. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, I love it. I want to have you back on the show because this is so much fun. And I think we could dive deep into a lot of other things as well. So I so Absolutely. appreciate you. Anytime. 
Thanks for listening today. Hope you enjoyed the show. New episodes out every Monday. Please share with a friend and subscribe because you want to. And like me because you like me. Leave a comment so we can connect. And if you have a great playlist and you want to share, I'd love to have you on the show. Please reach out to me on Instagram at the Music Junkies Podcast.